It's your pal Siri. You have found the Ambiguously Blind Podcast, where we are challenging beliefs and revealing abilities that make people extraordinary. With your host, a guy that's great at hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, hey, hey. Greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and supporting the podcast experience. Our guest for this episode is Catherine Webster. She's the creator of the Together Achieving Dreams Foundation, which has a tremendous mission to bridge the gap between potential and possibility for those who are blind and visually impaired. So we'll do a deeper dive on that and also learn a little bit about Catherine's unique sight loss journey. Hey, Catherine. Thanks for joining the Ambiguously Blind podcast. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Don. The founder and president of Together Achieving Dreams. It, it's, a, it's an interesting story. It's been a wild ride, but I'm excited to talk to you about it. You guys say a lot of the same things that, that I say, kind of. My, the tagline of the podcast is challenging beliefs and revealing abilities that make people extraordinary. And in, in some of the stuff I've seen from you guys, like almost all those words appear in your talking points, but you say it a lot better than I do. So it's a lot more positive. <laughs> no, literally, literally the same thing. Bridging the gap between potential and possibility. Yeah. It's, same thing. That's pretty close. I like that. Which equals that. extraordinary. Yeah. I saw that. And I was like, that's, that's great. That's extraordinary. It's tremendous. So I was like, got to talk to these guys. So Absolutely. I, uh, I definitely it. want to talk about that. But before we get too far into that, I want to learn a little bit about Catherine and your, you have a sight loss story that I don't know much about at all. So I'm kind of curious to know what's going on there with, uh, with you. Absolutely. So uh, long story short, because 24 surgeries later, as, as you can imagine, but I was born totally blind due to the Coxsackie virus that my mom developed in her tummy. And my family had no idea I was blind when I was born. So two weeks in, my grandma's like, your daughter to my dad, your daughter's not flinching when we take pictures, something's up. And of course my parents are like, no, my daughter's perfect. Everything's fine. Finally, it clicked in like, okay, maybe something's up. They took me to the hospital, did the blue light test, learned that I was blind, did a pretty emergency intense surgery where they cut a pupil open in my right eye, allowed light in. Still to this day, couldn't tell you why they didn't do it in both eyes, but essentially saw 2070 corrected in my right eye throughout, you know, growing up into high school, never saw it in my left eye. It started degrading a little bit throughout high school, not to the point where it was impacting me too much, but to the point where it was starting to learn Braille, understanding screen reading software. I didn't know JAWS yet or anything like that, but but starting to start that transition, understanding what my limitations may be and had, you know, cornea transplant, cataract removals, whatever it may be. And then as I started undergrad, it got a, a little tricky where I wanted a guide dog. I was a little bit in denial of my vision loss and didn't want to use a cane. So got a guide dog when I turned 18, started at Wake Forest University, studied classes where I was like, this is really hard for blind people. So I'm going to try to do it because it's a challenge and because I feel like this constant internal need to prove a point. So did that. And then two weeks prior to graduating Wake Forest, I lost the rest of my vision. I got a retinal detachment in my right eye and it so happened to be on Easter Sunday and lost the rest of my vision. It was not reversible at that point. They tried a couple of surgeries after the fact to repair it. But at that point, the retina was fully gone, scar tissue totally blocking light coming in. So that happened about five years ago. And here we are today. Okay. So that's a pretty extraordinary story there because 
let's back up just a minute. What was the um, the illness that your that happened in the womb? The hand, foot, and mouth disease, Coxsackie virus. Okay. My yeah. mom got. And now you're talking my language. Don't, I, I I I know hand, foot, and mouth, but I don't I don't know the, okay, I don't okay, know the real the real name. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That happened in the womb, and that they I think that's what caused the issue with your sight. Yes. So she got hand, foot, and mouth. She knew, diagnosed, et cetera. Thought the baby was okay. This was maybe five, six months in. Whatever the eyes are developing, I am not a science person, but <laughs> thought we we are okay. This is what time of the pregnancy you're at. Who knows what's going to happen? We think you're good. You know, ultrasound looks fine. So that was essentially the root of it initially. And so at, at birth, uh, zero vision, as far as you know. Zero. Wow. I was born technically with bilateral microphthalmia, which in lamest terms means small eyes. Okay. Did the, the you said your, I think you said your grandmother had said yes. something and, and was alerted to this. When was that? How, how far in? I was two weeks old. I mean, it was throughout my first two weeks. My first surgery was when I was 16 days old. Wow. Okay. And so the surgery that actually gave you some sight there. Yes. A lot. Wow. That's pretty incredible. So like you had none and then you had some, and then you once again had none. Right. And maybe this is too detailed, but like the level in which I've never seen out of my left eye, it's almost as if that eye doesn't exist. I mean, there's an eyeball there. It looks normal, whatever. But since I've never seen it, talking about my right eye i see darkness like it it tangibly feels blind like i feel like i've lost something so it's a little bit of a different perspective because i'm feeling like i'm experiencing two different things in both eyes when neither are working yeah i mean but that's that's pretty that's got to be super unique have you met somebody with a similar situation as that not not yet are you one in a million (laughs) one One in a billion today yeah one of the billion probably yeah it's probably more like it i mean that i have never not that i know the world that well but i just feel like that's got to be super unique yeah it's fascinating and the perspective that you must have we talked a little bit before before we were recording here about the perspective somebody would have you know having no sight whatsoever versus losing sight later in life and essentially you've got both perspectives Although you have no memory of uh, no sight when you were, you know, 16 days old or whatever, but. Exactly. Exactly. Um, wow. But even when I could see out of my right eye, I was kind of like, I'm normal. Like. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I was exactly. a cheerleader. Yeah. I ran track. You know, I did, I did all the things. It, it, sure. I couldn't see out of my left eye, but it wasn't impacting me to the point where I couldn't do extracurriculars like anyone else. I didn't need money accommodations, you know, until high school. So. It, it was a bit of a blend. I, I didn't really, you know, feel like I had an identity at that point. I didn't need one. Yeah. Were you, did you drive? I didn't. So come 16, I would not have qualified. Okay. I couldn't. So I could wear like the Coke bottle glasses and see to read, but definitely not far distance. Okay. So I, I could think, read or see with the Coke bottles, but that's about it. Yeah. And I think you said it was about 2070 vision was the kind of what it was. the acuity With was. corrected. Yeah. That was the best. What was it if it wasn't corrected? Do you know? Oh, boy. Uh, I couldn't even tell you now. Bad. Yeah. I mean, okay. like maybe 2,800. Wow. Gosh, I, I just, I didn't know any of this before we talked. I, 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 may, uh, I don't know if I, <laughs> glad I didn't know that. I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of astounded by that. Or, or I don't, that's maybe not, not the right word. I'm just, that's, 
that's really an incredible story. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And the thing is, is there was a point in time, and this sounds so cliche when I say it, but it's it's pretty real. Like when I lost my vision two weeks prior to undergrad, I already had signed my job offer. I didn't really freak out. I mean, I kind of was like, wow, this absolutely sucks. But it's not the worst thing in the world. And I think the moment that I was like, I don't need to go after every single surgery that could potentially give me some vision back. Like, yeah, sure. If you ask me tomorrow, can you have vision? 100% give it all back. Right. But the, the moment where I like was okay and content with, with my current situation and not just seeking some medical expert to cure me, I think was a pretty humbling moment for me where I, I felt comfortable you know, living in my skin and, yeah. and not needing other answers. Absolutely. And that, that, that happened right as you were graduating from uh, college. It happened actually impetus to Tad foundation, but it happened when my father passed away, which was six months after I graduated college. It was kind of the aha moment of, well, shoot, I just lost the most important person in my world who cares about blindness. And I think that moment was the pivotal point in which literally nothing else matters and like the feeling of grief is nothing compared to like oh my god I can't see and again minimizing blindness but like it was definitely a moment of there is so much worse and I'm just experiencing that and I'm good wow the the story gets keeps getting more <laughs> there's a lot here John. Jeez. <laughs> wow okay so but you you mentioned you'd already signed your job or you know you'd signed with whatever whatever job you'd already lined up after college and now you know you're you're good when you make that commitment or they commit to you or whatever it was um you have sight right yes sight to the point i was at this point because i was in college i was using a guide dog i was using i started using jaws i switched from mac zoom end of high school into jaws for college whatever. So I started using assistive tech. They knew I was, I don't know, technically like quote unquote, visually impaired. Mm -hmm. Deloitte knew that as I was getting into it. Okay. Did I know the extent in which? Absolutely not. And I didn't even inform them once it happened because it was kind of like, well, what's the difference? I'm using jaws with or without an amount of vision, you know? Okay. Well, yeah, I was curious about that. Like if that, how, how that changed possibly things either from their end or from your end, if that made things dramatically different, or maybe it sounds like it was pretty similar. I think for me, the little, I don't know if social cues is the right word, but there's a level of like awareness that I think I, I lost for a little while because I relied on it so much when I had that limited vision, even like it was to the point where I could see someone shrugging their shoulders. Right. So, I mean, even today, I, whatever, go on dates with a guy and they nod at me and I'm like, I have no idea that you're not at me. So point in saying that is like, it's it's not that I'm unaware. I, you can tell by body language and tones and things like that. But I think there was a moment where when I was going into consulting, it's so much of reading the room yeah. where I'm like, oh, wow. Like, am I going to be able to read the room the way that I have been able to in the past with actually being able to see it? It's a big transition. Yeah. 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 Were you, did you work yourself into the confidently being able to do that? Or were there, were there things that you, you were missing? Uh, it worked great. I absolutely. So I was at Deloitte for three and a half years. Obviously, my dad had passed a week before. So I think the only barrier to that was, wow, I need to get, you know, well and happy and smiling, you know, within a week. So that I think that was the biggest struggle. But the blindness adjustment was totally fine. 
the team, every team I worked on was incredibly supported. I, to my previous point of like proving to do more, I had this whole idea of I want to be fast track promoted from analyst to consultant, consultant to senior consultant prior to going to grad school. Yep. I had this kind of perfect picture in my mind and I worked really hard to make that happen. And I think a large part of that was I want another blind person to be employed here and I want them to have as much, if not more opportunities. So like, yeah. let's make it happen. So I, I mean, I, I love the path here. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, that's, it's so important to me because it's, it's exhausting, right. To constantly educate and advocate. And the moment that one person's educated on it, it just allows the next person to be a little bit more comfortable. So I definitely pushed for that. I wasn't treated differently. I got incredible leadership experience and opportunities facilitating huge client, whatever. Like I was not treated differently at all. And it, it was such a refreshing feeling to feel empowered and have so much autonomy every day at work. There's a guy that I've had in the podcast named Chad Foster. And mm-hmm. you need to check out, you need to check out Chad Foster because he's kind of got a, he's got a similar vibe to kind of what you're, you're putting down here as far as work. Cause he was working in, large corporate environments with, you know, it kind of, I feel like a similar environment probably to, to what you were working in. And, um, and he definitely got it done. He's, he's amazing. So that's awesome. He's got an awesome name. I got to check him out. And a book. He's got a great book, Blind Ambition. We'll link to it in the show notes here too, but it's, uh, Excellent. it's cool. And, and he's a Harvard guy too. And you're a Harvard gal, right? I guess. So, <laughs> I <know. laughs> so we have to keep us close yeah. or we'll find each other somehow. But yeah, that, I, that's amazing. I'm sure I'm, I'm surprised he's not like in your phone, like registry, like you had just have a Harvard <laughs> registry. Like if yeah, Foster, speed uh, dial, Foster, speed there dial. it is. I got him right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's uh, okay. I got to give Harvard, Harvard guys a rough, you know, you got to have a little fun with it. I oh, guess, you have right? to a little bit. You have to. Yeah, it keeps us, you know, humble and aware of ourselves. And you're, what, what, what is the path for you with Harvard? Are you, uh, you're ending there, hopefully? So. Yes, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed. So I started in August 2021. I'm at Harvard Business School getting my master's in business administration, and I graduate in just two months, May 25th. Okay, wow. So hopefully there won't be any fireworks this time when you graduate. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> just a hey, good normal point. graduation. I gotta like put it. Put in my calendar two weeks before God help us just, just kinda, sleep in just that day. Keep it normal. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Tell me about Together Achieving Dreams. I think it, it sounds pretty interesting. And all of a sudden on the podcast in the last couple of months, we've been talking a lot about employment for some reason. I, I don't know why, but employment's come up quite a bit. And that's something you guys are in that space too. But everybody's probably got a little unique twist on what it is that happens. But what what does Together Achieving uh, Dreams do? Absolutely. So in employment, hot topic statistics aren't changing, which is just so frustrated, frustrating to me. But um, like seventy-seven, what what are the stats? It's um, it like varies seventy to seventy-five, but this has been the same stat since like nineteen seventy-two. Right. So why, there's so much money in government helping with pre-employment transition services. There's so many blindness advocacy organizations. Like, why isn't this moving? Do you know the answer to that? Uh I mean, <laughs> I have speculation, but no, I don't have the direct answer. No. Okay. But I have a solution. Okay. Well, that's what we're, that's what we're here for. I want to hear it. <laughs> so to me, what started my mind thinking about, do I start an organization? It was initially, there are so many out there. 
why why start another one is there a way to differentiate us from others why compete why not help another whatever it may be so many things were conflicting in my mind of like what makes the most sense for us so my angle was every room that i've been in serving on different nonprofit boards for profit boards going to hbs working at deloitte now going into private equity there are not blind people in the room with me ever and yes we are a minority obviously but there is still the constant societal misconceptions that literally are not going away. And I have mentored students when I was in DC working at Deloitte, I ran a program called Project Rise, which essentially worked with high school and college age students on blindness skills, employment readiness, whatever it may be. It it was very broad. There wasn't a specific industry we focused on. And that was great. It kind of, it gave me that reward. It gave me that passion in life. But I then understood What can we really do to actually make a difference here? So there are a group of us, there's eight of us on the board, most blind or half blind, half sighted. And essentially what we're doing tied back to, so we kind of go by now from a branding perspective, the Tad Foundation, just because it's easier to say, but Tad named after my dad, who is named Tad Webster. We are essentially, our mission is to increase employment in corporate America for the blind and low vision community by bridging the gap between potential and possibility. What that means to me is a three-prong approach. And to, to us, how we kind of articulate this is, this is proven success. This is a formula that actually works. Let's make it happen in this exact kind of way. And that's how we're kind of competitive advantage within kind of the landscape of different advocacy organizations. So we are working with parents. We're working with the students. And we're working with companies. The parent piece is a longer term goal just because we work with the parent of a newborn and we'll see in 18 years, you know, if they're employed, but it's key. So making sure that the parents and our kind of target market is zero to six year olds, making sure those parents are set up for success, cane in hand when the kid can walk, making sure they understand what braille literacy means, making sure they can call another parent of a blind kid who has a successful kid who is employed. So building that network and that community and working with them literally from the get-go. So that's the first piece because my vice president, who's also blind at at Harvard Law School, him and I both, if you were to ask like, why are we successful today? It it goes back to our parents. I mean, my mom literally allowed me to fall downstairs when I was in high school, losing my vision pretty quickly because she's standing there in the corner crying, but she's like, you are either going to link arms with me forever or you're going to figure your crap out. Mm -hmm. And as painful as that was for her, I'm so grateful because if she didn't do that, I would link arms with her forever. Mm -hmm. You know, like I I don't want to look like a fool. So, so those moments are so important for the parent to take a step, like not poor baby, you go make it happen. So that's our first piece. The second, which is super near and dear to my heart is our mentorship program. And we put a little bit of a spin on it. So what we're working with is blind and low vision college age students, whatever that means. They're paired with a blind mentor and a sighted mentor in their business field of interest. What we're working on with them is nothing to do with blindness skills. So we will point them to National Federation of Blind Training Centers or the Lighthouse, whatever it may be, if they need blindness skills. What we're working on is you have those skills. Let's get you technically savvy and socially skilled for you to be differentiated in the workplace. Our angle is specific industries initially, but at the end of the day, if we can help a blind student get employed, that's all I care about. So we're doing 
quarterly programming, working with students on financial modeling, PowerPoint development, collaborative tools like Microsoft Teams, whatever it is, make sure that the reason that they're not doing a finance degree is not because they can't do a discount of cash flow. It's because they don't want to, you know? So making sure that they have those tools in an accessible way. Like I go do Wall Street prep classes. There's videos of Excel pictures on the screen that mean nothing to me. So we're, we're kind of bridging that gap in here are the tools in your pocket that you can use to be able to excel in this space. So that's the second piece. And then the final piece kind of tying everything together is getting companies and our initial um, target industries are finance. So venture capital, investment banking, private equity, and then also big law and management consulting and entrepreneurship. So making sure we're partnering with companies for a plethora of benefits, but one being we've got a pipeline of qualified blind students. Second being these companies want to hire diverse talent, but they don't know how. They have no idea. So we'll give them the pipeline, but they're also then expanding their diverse talent pool that they may not otherwise have ever been able to do. The whole like push of ESG and DEI and whatever it is, they're not, it's great that you can say you want to go do that, but like we'll help you get there. So that's kind of the the gist of where we're where we're at. And I think they feed into each other, but our biggest focus right now is our mentorship program and corporate partners initially, and then rolling out the parent programming longer term. Yeah. I think the parent programming thing is, um, is critical too, Huge. because like what you said about your mom and for me, sight loss occurred, um, at, at age 19 and it was, it was one minute it was there and the next thing it was gone. So I didn't have any preparation for that. And I think all, all of my success and everything I was able to to accomplish initially and, and even to this day are are squarely uh, the result of the um, my family and, and particularly my parents, uh, but some other family members that you know fam family's good and it's good you know I'm pretty blessed and, and privileged to come from really a great family that that embraced those differences and held my arm down enough flights of stairs to get me stable, but then realized that <laughs> yeah. you got to do this on your own, so you know you gotta you gotta fly away, you know. So yeah, kind of like what yeah. your mom was saying. So there's a, there's a line you got to walk there. And I think it's critical that parents of children that are blind, particularly at, a, at an early age, you know, the, what you want to do is, is love them and wrap them in bubble. Right. And as a parent, that's what I want to do. I want to wrap my kids in bubble wrap and stuff. And, you know, but blind that, or not, right? That's right. And that, but that's, that's not going to help anybody um, because they are going to be living with me for the rest of their life, <laughs> their yeah, life. Yeah. And that, that's not good for anybody. So you know, the blindness element of that just makes things even more, uh, it, it just kind of drives the point home even more. And, and do you, do you send them to, to blind school or do you, do you normal school them and all the stuff? And, and I don't have an answer for that exactly, but I do know that today with technology, there's a lot of things that have, I think, changed how that works is particularly in school at a younger age. So I think there's a lot more opportunities or learning on a more standardized basis than there were 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Right. And technology has completely changed the world, I feel like. And on top of that, parents are craving these answers. They just have no idea what to do. So they're going to turn to any solution they can, you know, like they, they don't have answers. Yeah. And sometimes you might, you might get the wrong answers too, right? Or, or come up with yeah. things on your own. So there are a lot of organizations that are out there, and I think that's wonderful. And again, we've talked to a few of them here on the podcast all of a sudden for some crazy reason, but it sounds like you're all kind of headed in the same direction. And I hope so. Maybe just have different approaches, or maybe there are 
ways that uh, you guys do things that the others don't. But I, you know, this didn't exist 20 years ago. I mean, if it did, it was on such a small scale and, and without the, really without the internet, I don't know if we really were able to connect all the dots to, to know that these other things existed anyway. So, you know, I'll, I'll quote Chad Foster. Um, again, I've mentioned Chad twice now, but uh, as he says, this is a great time to be blind. <laughs> I, I mean, it really is. 20 years ago, I would not be confidently going to private equity. Like there's, there's no way. Yeah. So I, I, you know, <laughs> silver lining. I, I'm grateful for where we're at right now and how we actually can open those doors given that tech helps us. Tad is, is relatively new, I think. You, you guys just had a big, uh, I don't know, was it a gala or a ball? What, what did you call it? Yes, we had our inaugural gala. So we gala, were sorry. incorporated. Yeah. Gala, gala. I don't know. Everyone yeah, says it different. Okay. I'm in Texas, so I don't know. <laughs> Called a hoedown Everything's or something. right like, and yeah. better in Texas. So however you say it, I'll follow your lead. But so we were incorporated in September and received 51 c 3 status in December. Had our first inaugural gala last weekend. Um, in Boston and huge success, fabulous time, a lot of broadening awareness. And this summer is when we'll kick off our mentorship program, start hiring staff, all that fun stuff. Mentorship program is starting, I want to say May or June, depending on when we hire an executive director. Um, and of course, looking for mentors and mentees, you know, nationally speaking. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's ramping up. You guys are, you guys are. We're ready to go. It's, it's happening. I'm also like, I start my full-time job in August. So anything we preemptively can do before then for us to be set up for success, yeah. I am thrilled about. And have you, you, you mentioned, I think some corporate partnerships, you know, not, not to get too much in the political weeds here, but inclusion, diversity, these are kind of buzzwords. Actually, they are buzzwords now and, and corporate just kind of maybe even, even in life. But do you find that while companies do claim to do or say they want to do those things do you do you feel like that actually happens and if so have you been surprised that blindness is considered or not considered in in those campaigns for diversity and inclusion this is a great question so i'll i'll tread half lightly so yeah we're not here i'm not here to get anybody in trouble or anything i just think it's kind of an interesting <laughs> of topic well here's the thing so i think companies care I think they want diversity, equity, inclusion. I think that means something different to everyone. I also think companies do not know where to turn. They they think they want it. They think they know the answers. They don't know what those mean. So they've never had to, for example, deal with an accessible mandatory training because they've never had a blind person take it. So then, oh my, a blind person takes it. It's completely inaccessible. Where do you begin? Oh shoot, it's an in-house software tool that's made for it, right? So. I think there's a lot of layers that people don't consider at the leadership level of companies because they never had to before. I think it's changing a lot. And I honestly believe that companies care. I think they just don't know what to do. And that's why I'm all about education needs to happen. But I also, and this is a strong Catherine opinion, we equally blind people need to push ourselves to be comfortable with what we maybe don't do. So, okay, it doesn't work with JAWS, the screen reading software in Google Chrome. It may work on a different web browser or with a different screen reader, but we're so comfortable with what we do on the day-to-day. -day. Yes, in an ideal world, it would work on every single platform. But I also think there's a, 
give and take a little bit as we go through this transition, because what I do fear is getting a ton of blind people employed and the infrastructure doesn't support it. And then it completely back rails what we're trying to do. Yeah. It falls apart and then goes the other way. Yeah. Or it's like, oh my gosh, so much money is needed to fix this. Why the heck would I ever hire a blind person? Mm -hmm. And the truth is my last summer when I interned at KKR, I had two requests. One was I want jaws in my laptop at work. And one was, can someone show me around the building the first day? That's all I needed. You know, like fortunately their, their training was accessible. And fortunately the culture is incredible, but you know, it, there's not much I, I can do my work just fine. You know, I, I just need that extra tool, but it's, it's not too much to ask. And I think there is a bit of a balance. Yeah. So you've got some experience, I guess, at Deloitte and some other places where you're, you're certainly in the minority. I mean, that's, you're not, you're not, that's not, it's not new to you uh, and being right. visually impaired, but at these larger companies that I think you're right. I think they do want, I mean, I think they're just like every, everybody kind of wants to do the right thing generally. Anyway, at least I hope so. So, you know, uh, sight impairment or hearing impairment or something along those lines doesn't, doesn't mean you can't do a particular job. It just means you, I mean, just like, you you know, Catherine, you're used to this in life. You, you do most things probably, you just do them differently than most people do. Right. So totally. the same thing would apply in, in any setting. And, and in this case, work, it's just, you know, we, we're getting, I'm going to get to the same result, but I'm going to probably get there a different way than you. And it's also possible that the way you get there may actually be a better way than what somebody's that sighted has been doing it for 50 years. Like, well, have you ever considered trying this or doing it this way? There, there are times when, when somebody uses things outside the box or because they have to, that maybe there's some efficiencies or things that happen that nobody knew about. Oh, 100%. And it's, it's funny you say that because even walking around Harvard Business School, students come up to me like, how can I have my case read to me audibly while I'm on the elliptical? Like, yeah. how do I speed up the speed? Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, and then even at, even in the finance world, you are the best at Excel if you can glue your mouse and never touch it, glue it to the desk, use your keystrokes. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do every day, you know? So things like that, people don't think about because they don't know. And even just the power of Excel and how accessible it is, people have no idea. They're like, wow, how the heck could a blind person do it? Give us a minute, you know, and we'll show you. And 99% of the time, we're probably reading it much faster than them, you know? So, but people just don't know. And as long as people are open to learn, I think it's really easy to break it. You just need to create that space to educate. But I also think one of the special sauce that we have that a lot of companies aren't doing is having that blended integration between sighted and blind men, uh, board members and advisors, because we've got people, you know, partners at huge management consulting firms and private equity funds on our board, equally working with professionals who are blind in those same spaces. And oftentimes there is that, I don't want to say discrimination, but segregation of it is a blind board fighting for things. And while representation is really important, and again, this is a Catherine opinion, not a Tad Foundation opinion, but having that integration of blind and sighted board members working shoulder to shoulder, recruiting both blind and sighted mentors, making sure companies from all walks of life, maybe they aren't big on DEI, but they don't know that they can be, you know? And I think making sure that we're integrating from the get-go with the lived experience kind of being the core lens, but but having that balance, I think is really important and something that's helped us tremendously in these first couple months ramping up. 
Yeah, and you mentioned blind and sighted on the on the board or, or there at TAD, but you also mentioned blind and sighted in the mentor program. So let's back up a minute on that because I, I meant to ask about that earlier. What's the theory there with the blind and sighted mentor? You're, you're, is that part of the social kind of, or I don't know, you tell me, what, what's going on with the both both sides there? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think in simplest terms, it's having two mentors. So to me, I'm like, if you have two blind, you have two sight, whatever it is, like you have two mentors, because we're kind of taking the matrix approach of mentorship, where more voices help, they're in the same business, they have different experiences leading up to the point where they're at, whatever it is. I think the intentionality of blind and sighted where, where we're taking it is, there is a, I have so many sighted mentors who are incredible to me. They could never tell me shortcuts to doing an LBO. Like they just couldn't help me do uh, financial modeling in Excel the way a JAWS screen reader user would do it. So I, but I also think equally networks in both camps are huge. And why close the door on one when you can have access to both? So I kind of think, yes, you're learning technical skills from both. There's also a level of, I think, three people sitting in a room and just talking through different solutions, blindsided, whatever it may be, is so much more powerful than just two. So our angle is, is the matrix, but it's also, they're both having different experiences. They're both coming with different networks. Let's integrate back always where it's not just when I walk in a room, the only people I know here are blind people. That's not the case. I know that sighted partner. I know that blind partner, whatever it is. I'm building that network from the get-go. Awesome. I love it. And I am uh, pulling for you guys. It's so it's you're a couple months away. I think you said is is it does it launch in officially in May or June? Is that what you said? Yes, June first latest. So we'll we'll run with that for now. Okay, so yes. just about two months or so from now, at the at least the time of this recording is is uh when the when the lights get turned on fully and everything starts blowing and going. And it should be awesome. What if people want to reach you guys? How do they get a hold of the uh, foundation? Email us, info at tadfoundation.org. You can also call us at 646-881-4645 or visit our website, tadfoundation.org. And of course, we're across all social media platforms as Tad Foundation. We would absolutely love to hear from anyone and everyone. You're looking for supporters, you're looking for mentors, you're looking for uh, blind folks that want to learn things, and you're, you're looking for everybody, right? Yes, all of the above. Volunteers, 100%, mentors, mentees, of course, supporters, even just people who want to be a sounding board and brainstormer with me would love to hear from you. I love it, Catherine. Again, incredible story. I'm still trying to wrap my head around your 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 sites story there with the uh, ups and downs of all that. That is incredible. There's got to be a book there. Make it make a note. One of day. There's, there's One day. Be a, Once you publish yours, I'll follow in your footsteps. <laughs> How about that? Well, that sounds great. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping to hoping to get that done real soon. So maybe keep me honest on that. There you go. Accountability buddy. I love it. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe and connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.